Beautiful. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so we have the technical department here. Uh, so, Tu Bishvat is halakhically the new year for the trees. The rabbis tell us that what should we do on Tu Bishvat? We should learn the laws pertaining to planting trees. There's the laws of Tirumah, Maser, Masrot. There's the laws of Orla. And really, most of the laws went out farmers, so we don't have to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. Still, though, you have Orla, which applies if you plant a fruit tree. Even out of Eretz Israel, you're not allowed to eat the fruit of the tree for the first three years, and there's special laws for the, for the fourth year. We could talk, though, also about halachot relating to brachot on food. When we make brachot, which bracha becomes before the other bracha, which food is, so to say, more important than the other bracha. There's a rabbi in the 17th century, he's called the Yadbaz. I will. There's a rabbi who's called the Yadbaz. The Yadbaz says that Tubishvat is a, is a tremendous and powerful tikkun. What's the tikkun? It's a repair. What is a repair? He says if anybody didn't make berachot during the year on the foods that they ate, or for example, they made the bracha, you know, we grew up, we said, you know, we said it so fast, we didn't even know that we said it, or we said it not out loud. It has to at least be audible so that we hear it. Or we didn't have any kavanah when we made the bracha. He says tonight, if you have kavanah, kavanot on the brachot that we're making during this time, it could be a tikkun, it could fix all the brachot that we didn't do correctly the entire year. This may be even the impetus for people to say, I'm going to take on upon myself to make a bracha whenever I eat food, or I'm going to make a bracha in a proper way whenever I eat food. The Torah tells us that Hashem created a beautiful garden for Adam and Chava, and he commanded Adam and Chava to eat from every tree in the garden, with the exception of one. When they sinned by eating from the tree of knowledge, they blocked the flow of spiritual energy from above to below. The Mikubalim explained that they stopped the seed from Yisod being implanted into Malchut. They broke the connection. The holiday of Tishu, of, 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 of Tubishvat gives us an opportunity to restore the connection, to restore a heavenly flow of blessings from above to below. We do this on Tubishvat from eating from the fruit of many different trees and through the brachot that we make and recognizing that Hashem has given us a wonderful world filled with bounty. We appreciate all that He's given us and in a way, Appreciating what Hashem has done repairs the sin of Adam HaRishon. Although Tu Bishvat marks the middle of the winter, it's a day when the harsh judgment, when the dinim of the winter end, and we begin the chesed going into the spring. It's very similar to Tu Be'av. You know, we go through the summer, we have the three weeks, we come to Tisha Be'av, and then when we get to Tu Be'av, we celebrate. And from Tu Be'av, we continue into Elul, from Elul into Tishrei. We have Rosh Hashanah, we have Sukkot, we have the holidays. The beginning of the holidays is Tu Be'av. The beginning of the holidays of the spring is Tu Bishvat. 
from today, we go two weeks from today, we have Rosh Chodesh Adar. This year, because it's a leap year, we have two Adars. So we have Rosh Chodesh Adar Aleph. Then we have two weeks later, Purim Katan. Two weeks later, Rosh Chodesh Adar Bet. Two weeks later, Purim. Two weeks later, Rosh Chodesh Nisan. All of the offerings of the, of the princes. Then we have Pesach. Then we have Rosh Chodesh Yar. Then we have Lagba Omer. Then we keep going till we get to, Sha- to Shavuot. And that's the holidays that we have of the springtime. The beginning of the Chesed, the beginning of the, of the light coming down for the holidays of the spring is today. The end of the judgment period was today. Today was the end of the judgment period of the Dinim of the winter. And, and so it's a, it's a very special time for us because it's the beginning Hashem showing us Chesed. And it's the end of Dinim. It's something to think about. So today also was the yard side of my dad. And it's interesting that my dad, he, he, we, we had his funeral on Tubishvat. Anyone who knew my dad, my dad worked for the community his whole life. Even when he was still 88, he was still running everything where so many of the checkbooks of the community was still on his desk in the office. And he dedicated his life to restoring the flow of caring and sharing in the community. He was involved in every aspect under his direction and leadership. Countless students were educated from toddler through adulthood, even training rabbis through Mikdash Mela. He made, a, he made sure that everyone had a place to pray. He ran the different synagogues. He also ran the largest meals on wheels in the country. Our elders, they, they did so much for us. He had the senior citizen center, the senior citizens' homes, the uh, senior citizens' living. He did all of these things. And... Uh, we have to be like that. We have to be someone willing to share, to do, to care for other people. We always have to realize that Hashem is going to relate to us in the way that we relate to other people. We always say, Hashem silecha al yad yeminecha. Hashem is your shadow on your right side. If you do good with your right side, Hashem reflects your good and does good the same way. So to many of us, Tu Bishvat is a holiday of planting. Planting trees to be enjoyed from one generation to the de- to the next generation. There's a story in the Gemara and Tanit that tells us about a certain rabbi. His name was Oni Hamaga. This rabbi made many miracles. One day he was on the road and he sees a man planting a carob tree. And he asks the man, how long will it take for this carob tree to flourish and give fruits? And the man says, 70 years. And he says, do you hope to be alive in 70 years to eat from this carob tree? And the man says, no. But just like my grandfather planted a carob tree that I can eat from today, I have to plant a carob tree that my grandchildren could eat from tomorrow. That's something we all have to appreciate what our parents and grandparents and great-grandparents did, the sacrifices they made, the lives they they lived in order for us to have a good life. And, but we have to do the same for our children and grandchildren and invest in an infrastructure to make them have it. We have to plant trees that they could eat the fruits from later on. We don't have to only plant trees that we eat the fruit from.
Tubishvat originally was, was an obscure, mostly unobserved holiday, really, we see in the Gemara, just as the beginning of, uh, of a halachic date for, uh, for uh, laws relating to, to fruits and trees. But in the 16th century and then in the 17th century, they started celebrating a Tubishvat Seder with four cups of wine and all of the fruits and all of these kavanot. And who was the ones who established the Seder? It wasn't from Rabbi Nuhari. He didn't do it. We don't see that he did it, at least. And we don't see that Rav Chaim Vital did it. But we see that his students established it. The earliest writing that we have mentioning the Tubishvat Seder was first published in 1728 in a sefer called Birkat Eliyahu. From, and, and Rabbi Eliyahu cites his contemporary, Rabbi Moshe Hagiz of Yerushalayim, and it's important to know the people, regarding the Tubishvat Seder. Rabbi Hajiz clearly states that he himself instituted this custom based on the words of his teacher. Rabbi Hajiz's teacher was Rabbi Yaakov Hajiz of Morocco and Rabbi Moshe Magen Galanti, and whose grandfather was Rabbi Moshe Galanti of Sifat, who was a student of Rabbi Nohar. And therefore, we have direct connection from the Harizal to do the things that we're doing. Here are the words of Rabbi Hajiz. He says, it is written, man is a tree of the field. And so I established the custom based on what I've seen from my rabbis and my teacher, who on Tubishvat would customarily recite many blessings on fruit and pray to Hashem to renew for us a good year. And they would eat these 15 fruits, these 30 fruits, and there are various customs on how many fruits to eat. Now, one of the things we should realize that the Tubishvat has to do with the levels of creation. There are four levels of creation. The first, the highest level of creation, we call Olam Ha'asilut. This is a world of emanation which is beyond us. Energy from this Olam Ha'asilut flows down into what we call Olam Ha'beriyah. Olam Ha'beriyah, the world of creation. Creation means creation from nothing. This world relates to certain fruits. The fruits that we relate to this world are fruits like the fig, the grape, and the apple, and the pear. What's unique about these fruits is that we can eat the shell, the covering, and there's no large pit inside. So these fruits represent Beriyah. The next level we have coming from Beriyah is Olam called Olam HaYetzirah, the world of formation. That's something from something. That's the next world lower. And that world of Yetzirah is represented in the fruits that have a large pit inside. Those are fruits that, those, those fruits include, uh, include, include, uh, wrote that here. I mean, we, we know which fruits have a fruit, like, uh, <laughs> like uh, a peach, a uh, date, exactly. The final set includes, relates to the world of Asiyah, of action, of our world which is represented by fruits that have a hard shell cover, like a watermelon or a, uh, a walnut, where you have to break through the outside, the klipa, the shell, in order to get into the inside. And these represent the lowest world, our world of Asiya, where in order to be able to do things, we have to break through the shell. We have to break through the klipa. And the idea of these four worlds is also represented in our tefillot. When we pray every morning, we move from the lowest world up to the highest world, and then we go back. 
the beginning of the tefillah, which has to do with the sacrifices, the ketoret, that represents the world of asiyah, our action in this world. The next level of the tefillah from Baruch Shamad until Yishtabah is Olam, Olam Hayetzida, the world of formation. The next from the Brachot of Shema until the Amidah, if you look through it, it's all to do with the Olam HaBiriyah, the world of creation. You see they're talking about angels. Then we go from Ga'al Yisrael to Hashem without a pause. And when we're in the Amidah, we're in this world called Atzilut. We're actually alone with Hashem, connected completely to Hashem, but we have to travel slowly up to get there. And that's the reason the rabbis made the tefillot the way they did. And then we complete the tefillot and we come back down the, the pyramid on the other side. So this idea of the world is something we, we, we always have to deal with, but we don't really hear so much about. There's another thing that I saw is that we have the etrog. Generally, they would have an etrog with them for this meal. We actually have etrog to eat, but it's candied etrog, and it does not have a scent. But Rabbi Haji suggests that the purpose of the scent, the brachot on scents, is connect us to this highest world called Olam Ha'atzilut. Why? He suggests that Adam HaRishon and Chava, when they sinned in the garden, they sinned by seeing, hearing, touching, and tasting. But aroma wasn't part of the sin. Some rabbis don't agree. But because they say that the aroma wasn't part of the sin, we could use aroma and the brachot that we make when we smell something to take us to a very, very high level. There are actually five brachot that a person could make on aromas, on smells. Tonight, Bezrat Hashem, I hope, we're going to try to see if we could make four different brachot, all on smells. And that's how we're going to begin, because we're going to try to begin in this highest, highest level, and then work our way down. So we have in front of us, we have lavender. You take a little piece of the lavender, everybody. No, this is, what is this? This is lavender. So we're going to make a bracha on the lavender, and then we're going to smell the lavender. The smell that we make. So we have four different brachot that we make on scents. The one that we make, the, the four of them are bore besamim, which is grasses, bore itzbei, Besamim, no, sorry, Atse is from trees, Atzbe is from grasses, Mine is various of other kinds, which we make on, for example, rose water, and then we have a bracha, Hanoten, Reach, Tov, Baterot. So we're going to try to make all four. So if everyone takes the lavender, we're going to say bracha. So we're going to make a bracha on the lavender. Baruch atah Adonai, the head of the Olam, Bore atzeh besamim. You're going to find the rest of them as we go along. So the reason this is called the Seder is because we go in a specific order. Seder means order. 
we go in a specific order of the fruits of Eretz Yisrael and then of the fruits that represent the different worlds. So now we're going to take a little bit. There's mint on the table. It's in these little plastic cups. Here, take some. There's a bunch of things of mint there in little cups. I guess it's like snuff, right? It smells, it smells. You have to roll it a little in your fingers. And we make the beracha, baruch, ata, donai, the heno haolam, itzbei, besamim. So, so the this is a considered a grass, while the other one's considered from a tree of plant of lavender. So that's the difference. One is like Morebri Ha'etz, and Morebri Ha'adama is different. The next one we have, if we have Besamim, I don't know what Besamim is. That's not a, one second, we do. Oh. Maybe we don't have. <laughs> Not these leaves? The rose water. No, don't worry. Okay. Okay, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Okay, if we get the rose water, we'll do that. Don't worry, don't worry. The next one we're going to make is on a smell of fruits. So one of the interesting things is that the halakha with regard to fruits, smelling, smelling fruits, there's a question, Ashkenazim say you don't make a bracha on smelling a lemon of, of uh, they say it's borei minei besami, but we say it's hanoten re'aktov baperot. The Ashkenazim, if you want to make the bracha and not on that, you can make it on the melon, because the melon has the scent also. So you can make it either on the lemon, if there's lemons, you can make it on the orange, uh, there's one right in front of you, the little man, the, the little little one on the underneath. The little art. No, the little one underneath. Right there, right there, whatever it's called. Oh, that's Okay, okay, that's good. That's good. Clementine, sorry, Clementine. Does it have a smell? No, so then let's see if we have the lemons. Can I take this? Yeah, yeah, we have to open it. Oh, you have to open it. Good. You have to open it a little. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just a keto. It's a keto. So now you're going to make a beracha. I'm trying to say I'm going to make this beracha and it's going to lift me to different. And I'm doing something that I don't know how many times in your life you made a beracha. Okay, I don't know if you ever made it. But now we're going to make a beracha. Maybe it's the first time. Baruch just smell it. You can make a breath out before. So if it has a fragrance and you're going to enjoy the fragrance, then you can make the bracha and you're going to enjoy it for itself and then you're going to eat it after. No issue. Right. Okay, so... Wow, wow, wow. 
Yeah, I know, but we're going to share the whole place. We can, we can let everyone take some. We're going to do all four. Okay, go around. Yeah, you want to go around? I'm just taking a top. Oh, yeah, yeah. Put it in a cup. There's more cups there. How much? Wait, there's some Wait, you want to say the bracha? Yeah, we'll say the bracha. That's all, that's all. Okay. Good, good, good. Okay, so. I'm going to make the bracha, and then we're going to hand these and everyone smell it. Baruch atah Adonai, nehenu mecholam, b'nei b'nei b'samim. Amen. Too much, too much going on here. Too much going on. But that's so strong. Yeah. It's really strong. Anyways, this morning, if you did it, it's nighttime. Come back. Sammy, it's nighttime the next day. Even if you made a in the morning, it's nighttime the next day. We have to Okay. <laughs> okay, so we continue. We'll get to some uh, something to drink in a minute. Uh, so much of the custom of the Seder comes from a sefer called Chemdat Yamim. It was a controversial book, but Chacham Vadya Yosef said he loves this book, and he would enjoy making every year this Seder and learning at the Seder. The Sefer opens up and explains that this meal begins with something made of wheat. We have the seven Sheva Minim, the seven, we call it seven species, seven fruits, but they're not fruits. So the first one that we have is wheat. Now we have to realize that Judaism does not preach asceticism. God made a wonderful world and it's full of delights and Hashem wants us to enjoy the world. One of the questions that we're asked when we get to heaven was, did you enjoy the world that I created for you? I know Rabbi Wine, Rabbi Beryl Wine says that's the reason he goes and sees the Alps and he sees the Alaska, the, 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 the ice in Alaska, and he goes to Costa Rica. Because why? Because he says, Hashem's going to ask me, did I enjoy the beautiful world you created? So you enjoy the beautiful world also when you appreciate all of the different species all the different foods that Hashem makes, all the different colors of those foods. So we, we begin based on this, this idea of the wheat is going to be the first one we say. <laughs> In uh, the book of Devarim, it tells us, Ki Adam etz hasadeh. Man is a tree of the field. We're compared to a tree. A tree is constantly growing, and so must we. A tree produces fruit, and so must we. On Tu Bishvat, we have to renew our personal growth just as the trees on Tu Bishvat begin to draw moisture from the ground through themselves. And we should realize that the root of the trees is our connection to our faith. 
The trunk is, is a body. It's the study of Torah. It's the observance of Torah. And the fruit is the positive influence that we have. There's a tefillah that we begin with when we begin the, the Seder. The tefillah, I'm going to read it. You translate a little. Everyone has it. Al Yadenu or Al Yadea Botenu Baavon Adam Hadishon Asher Hataba Perod Ailan Ataya Shuvul Hikalal Beos Hadar Etahayim Vusad Mehem Koda Bekoak Shimpaga Dol Hayatim Pasukhaya Balavi Enu Yeshuva Kolet Hadishon The Lord Yudah Vimenu Nidah Kiata Donade Badeha Mikubab Pre Israel Ubehen Etsem after Vira Deha Merat has given to Jateha the Yad Adonai Alkol Haulam Kulove Tahad and Ahuts Yaleb Rosh so the first sequence starts with us pouring the first cup of wine. The first cup of wine should be white wine. The white wine resembles the winter. And we're gradually going to add red to the white until we get to the fourth cup, which is all red. We only pour the wine. We don't drink it. It's just like Passover. You pour the wine and then you watch it. You don't drink it. Except Uncle Harry could go in the kitchen and he can eat. So that you can do it. When are we going to eat already? So you let him go into the kitchen. So everyone takes a cracker. Can I have a cracker? Thank you. All that is... All that is part of it. Okay. What? Oh. Wine. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to take the cracker. And we're going to quote a pasuk from Tehilim. And the pasuk is Vayachilehu mechelechita umisur devash atzviecha. So Rav Chaim Balaji tells us that the wheat represents our sustenance. Our parnasah is represented by the wheat, by the bread that we eat. And our ability to earn a living comes through the bread that we eat. We say, The wheat will satiate you. 
by eating bread, the rabbis say, you're going to find sustenance. How does that work? It takes sustenance to buy bread, but the bread's going to help you make bread. The rabbis relate the wheat to the father of the family unit. And I always think of a story that my son told me that he heard from Rabbi Eli Mansour. He said that, you know, we go into Shabbat and we have on Friday night, lechem apanim, two breads. And then Shabbat morning, we have two breads. But we come to Seudah Shalishi and we don't have the two breads. We just take a piece of ka'ak or something and that's it. He says a person has to realize that the parnasah for Sunday and Monday comes from the two breads from Friday night. And the parnasah from Tuesday and Wednesday comes from the two breads of Shabbat morning. And if you wonder why business is off on Thursday and Friday, it's because you didn't eat bread at Seudah Shalishi. So a person should always try to eat bread at Seudah Shalishi because that's what brings the blessings to us. We should always realize that when you eat bread, we say, When you make the blessing on Birkat Amazon, Birkat Amazon is the only blessing that's Deoraita, that comes from the Torah, requiring us to say. Now, when we say Birkat Amazon, we have the first three blessings. Then we have a fourth blessing instituted later by the rabbis. The first one was from Moshe, from the man. The second from Yehoshua, when we went into the land. The third one, a combination of David HaMelech and his son Shlomo HaMelech. And the fourth one from the rabbis later on. Then after we make the four brachot, we go through a list of harachaman. Hashem should do this, Hashem should do that, Hashem should do this, Hashem should give us this. Hashem, We have a list of Hashem of everything we want. Why do we do that at the end of the four blessings? Because it's the only blessing required by the Torah. So when we make Birkat Amazon, we step the same way, step by step by step, into the inner sanctum of Hashem. And once you're there, Hashem says, my child, thank you for thanking me. Now what can I do for you? And we hope go for the list. So someone who says Birkat Amazon and has Kavanah, when they say the Birkat Amazon, it's so powerful because it brings them blessing. It's not you blessing Hashem. It's blessing comes to you. Hashem doesn't need our blessing. But when we bless, Hashem blesses us in return. So we have tefillah on the Parnassah that we're going to make with regard to eating the, the cracker. So first we're going to make the bracha on the cracker. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam borem <laughs> That's that week. <laughs> the blessing on the Parnassah is here. Ribono shel olam yiratzon vanecha Adonai v'hen olotenu shetazmin Parnassatenu mezonotenu li uchol anshe beti olan uchol anshe betenu hayom uchol yom vayom berav berevach velo besimsum bechavod velo bevizui benach velo besar so I'm very thankful to Rabbi Galamini in Florida because he found this French 
this French book uh, showing all the customs of uh, of the holiday of Tubishvat, and that's where I have all the Yehidatzons pasted in. Now, we usually don't have barley on a table, but when we go through the seven minim, the second of the minim is barley. So we have a beautiful opportunity tonight that Jessica got us barley. So there's a little barley. Everyone take a little barley. Barley, Jessica. in front of you. Oh, everyone has their own? Everyone has their own? Wow, Jessica. So everyone take a little bit of barley. Now when you eat the food, chew the food, and thank God that he gives us this food. That's the I'm going to say the Yiratzon. You can eat it first. So we should remember that barley, according to the rabbis, represents the coming of Mashiach. How? On the first day of Pesach, we bring the Omer. The first night, the Omer, or the second night. The night, we bring the Omer. The Omer was brought from barley. We count from there 49 days. From the Omer until we get to Shavuot. In ancient times, we brought the Omer offering and said the blessings. And now we recall the offering through the blessings. And we have a tefillah that Hashem re- should restore for us the, the offerings. Tefillah al ha-geulah. Yirazon v'fanecha Adonai Eloheinu Eloheinu Keshem shezechu avotenu lehakriv v'fanecha korbanot bebera mikdash so the way the Seder is set, we now proceed with an olive. So I had a question. Why do we do the olive before the grape? We know that when it comes to the list of blessings... If you want to test, you know, when the prospective son-in-law, I remember this was the joke, test the prospective son-in-law, he comes to the house, and you want to know if he learned anything in yeshiva, put a whole bunch of foods in front of him, and see if he knows which beracha goes first, second, third, and fourth. So we have an acronym, which is Maga'esh. Maga'esh is Mezonot, Gefen, Etz, Adama, Sheakol. But now, I'm telling you, we're going to eat the olive before the geffen. Why? Chacham says that because it's Shiva Minim, we're going to have the olive and the other parts of Shiva Minim before we have the wine. Ashkenazim, don't follow. Even the Ben Ishai, interesting enough, agrees with the Ramah that we should have the wine first. But in this synagogue, we follow Chacham So that's what we're going to do. So if everyone could take an olive. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, thank you. Are there more olives to go around? Yeah, yeah, everybody has. 
Oh, yeah. So it'll come across. So it'll come across. Okay, to say hi. So before we eat the olive, there's a pasuk from Yirmiyahu. Hashem called your name a leafy olive tree, beautiful with pretty fruits. When we make the blessing to eat the olive of we should have in mind all the other that we're going to make the rest of the night. So the olive also represents Kabbalistically a person's children. A person's children. We're going to explain how. The pasuk actually says, Your wife is like the, uh, the, the, the vine. Uh, but then it says, Your children are like the olive plant as they never wither around your table. We say, The olive represents the success of the Jewish people. It's interesting that the olive becomes goes in front of the grape. The grape you press to get out the juice, but the olive you have to press under a mill very hard to get a drop of olive oil there. Mark Twain said something that many of us are familiar with. He said, if the statistics are right, the Jews constitute but one quarter of one percent of the human race. We're a puff. We're nothing in the world. Properly, the Jew ought hardly to be heard of. But he is heard of, has always been heard of. He's prominent on the planet as any other people. And his importance is extravagantly out of proportion to the smallness of his bulk. Mark Twain wasn't a big friend of the Jews. But he writes his contributions to the world's list of great names in literature, science, art, music, finance, medicine, struce learning are also very out of proportion to the weakness of his numbers. He's made a marvelous fight in this world in all ages, has done it with his hands tied behind his back. He could be vain of himself to be excused for it. The Egyptians, the Babylonians, the Persians rose, filled the planet with sound and splendor, then faded to dream stuff. And passed away. The Greeks, the Romans followed, made a great noise, and they were gone. Other people spring up, hold their torch high for a time, but it burned out, and they sit in twilight. The Jews saw them all, survived them all, and is now what he always was, exhibiting no decadence, no infirmities of age, no weakening of his parts, no slowing of his energies, no dulling of his alert but aggressive mind. All things are mortal but the Jews." All other forces pass, but he remains. Mm -hmm. What is the secret of his immortality? He wrote this 150 years ago in 1887. Um, so as we make the blessing to the olive and eat the olive, we should have in mind to bless our children. The rabbis teach us that when we are plentiful with olive oil, to light the lights 
in the house to make sure that our children could learn and read. We're blessed with wise, with wise children. So there's a special beracha that we make now that parents make over their children. And this is the, this is the associated with the olive. Tefillah avot albanim. Yivarecha Adonai v'yishmerecha. Ya'er Adonai pana v'lecha v'yichunecha. Yisa Adonai pana v'lecha v'esem lecha shalom. V'samu et shemi al-ben Yisrael v'ani avarechem. Yiratzon evneh avinu shebashamayim. Shiyitan belibecha belibecha banenu. Ahavato v'tiyeh yirat Hashem al penehem. Chol yemeh chayem. You should save this to really say it for your kids. Amen. I think my kids are somewhere in Florida. So if you were listening, guys, that was for you. Next, we take a date. And we have to remember when we take the dates that we should open up the date and make sure there are no friends inside. Now, it's interesting that when Adam Harishon, he ate from the tree, he did what he was was not supposed to do. When we take the date and we check the date to make sure that it's okay, then that's being metaken, that's fixing Adam HaRishon eating what he shouldn't have eaten. When we have self-control to say, I'm going to make sure I'm allowed to eat this, then Hashem blesses us that we're being metaken Adam. So we say this, we, we say that the, this comes from Shira Shirim, that your stature is like a palm tree. The palm tree doesn't bend or sway to the changing winds. So too the Jewish people who remain steadfast and strong throughout the generations. We also like the palm tree. What's interesting is we have Sadiq Katamar Yifrach. We say that every Shabbat. And what is, what is that? What is, what is it? Sadiq Katamar Yifrach. It's interesting that the Rashet Tevot of Sadiq, Katamar, Yifrach are the last letters, the end letters. Are Sadiq, Kuf, Katamar, Resh, Yifrach, Chet. Spells? Korach. Korach is the Sadiq, Katamar, Yifrach. Even someone so far as Korach, who's the enemy, enemy. He also, in the end of days when the Mashiach comes, they say he's going to be the Kohen Gadol. So we can see that everybody has the ability to always come back. So we're going to eat the uh, the the date after uh, after uh, checking it, and we're going to say a special nishibarach for our rabbis and tamidech hachamim who who guide us. No bracha, because we made the bracha.
ותמשיך עליה ותשפיע עלינו אמונה ותושע בזכות הצדיקים מעמך ישראל את צמח תרבדך מהרה תצמיח The next one we take is a grape, grapes. With no grapes, raisins. Okay. Great. These are nice big grapes. So grapes are represented by the lady of the house. It's interesting that we make the bracha on a grape, the borepidayet, which we already made. Normally, when you take a fruit and you squeeze it and you make juice, what's the bracha that you're going to make on the juice? But when you take a grape and you squeeze it and then you drink it, what bracha do you make? So it shows the grape how important it is. It says that the originators of a family are the parents who are like the vine. The offspring are like the grapes. Our sages are telling us that a marriage in which there is a mingling of grapes, which produces wine, meaning the children, accomplish even more than the parents. I know that my wife raised beautiful children. I always was worried, especially growing up, doing the crazy things I did. I remember one day, I don't want to tell the whole story, but it was really at the low, low, low of, of what anyone could do. Listen, we grew up in an era of Studio 54. I turned to one of my friends and I said, you know, baby, look at our grandfathers. They were unbelievable how they came to this country. They built a community. And look at our fathers. They were architects of the yeshivas that we go to, did everything. And look at us. <laughs> I, I can't even imagine there's any lower in the barrel than us. You can't get lower. But the problem is the rabbis say that there's a yerida hadorot. Every generation is worse than the previous one. So if there's a yerida hadorot and we're already on the bottom of the barrel, Amy, what's going to be with our kids? How low could they be? They can't be lower than us. And I was blessed that I live in the time of the Mashiach. And in the time of the Mashiach, the children will show the parents. So because I have a wonderful wife who raised my children, all our children are a hundred times better than us. And thankfully, there's no more on the bottom of the barrel. And from here, it all goes up. Inshallah, we should have Mashiach. Rabbi Amen. Amen. Everybody enjoy your grape. <laughs> So from Tehilim, my wife is pointing out that I left this out. We said, that your wife is like the, the, the vine. So he says that your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the recesses of your house. So I wrote this. Since the vine is nearby, it receives proper attention. When a when a man gives his wife the proper attention and respect, they'll have many fine children. So I just said my wife is responsible for all my children. It's only because I must be such a wonderful husband. <laughs> we should have in mind to pray now and ask for two blessings.
was pray, praying for. Sorry, I didn't realize they were pits. We're praying for peace in our own homes and in the homes of all of Eretz Yisrael. And the second blessing we pray that there should be a blessing to bring young couples together. We often hear of a problem today of bringing children together to get married. And for whatever reason, we as a community are experiencing these. We should ask Hashem to help. Our rabbis associate the grape with fertility. So as we eat the grape, we're going to make a prayer that Hashem should bless all couples who are unable or so far unable that they should be blessed with children. Try to have someone in mind that your prayer is relating to them when we eat this and we're going to make this tefillah. this is written in a personal. So again, take these home. It's a personal prayer that someone should read. So someone's going to ask, do you think it really works if I make a prayer when I'm eating food? How does it work that I make a prayer eating food? You know, we have a custom during Rosh Hashanah with the Simanim. We all eat Simanim on Rosh Hashanah. We say that Hashem should cut off our enemies. Hashem should bless us. We should be fruitful like the pomegranate. And the rabbis tell us that it works. How does it work? How can it work to eat food and say the food's going to bring us blessing? Go, go into court. You go in front of the judge and you say, judge, wait, wait, before you bring the verdict, I'm going to take an apple, dip it in the honey. My verdict should be sweet. What's the judge going to do? Throw you in the loony bin. So how do you do this in front of Hashem on Rosh Hashanah, Yom, Yom Hadid? And the rabbis tell us something very interesting. They tell us when you are happy with the world that Hashem gave you, when you appreciate the world that Hashem gave you, by enjoying the foods that Hashem gave you, Hashem is happy with you. And even if there's a deen against you that's negative, he changes it to positive. The point is to be happy with the world that Hashem gave us. We are called Yehudim. Yehudim from the word Hoda'ah, to think. But it also is the word admit. Because you can't think if you don't admit that everything is really coming from Hashem. We have to admit it's coming from Hashem. And then we have to have appreciation for everything that Hashem does. So if we make these tefillot and have these things in mind and thank Hashem. Hashem, if, you, if a kid goes to his father who gives him a gift and says, ah, I hate it. The father doesn't want to get him anything again. But if the kid goes to his father and says, thank you so much for what you gave me. The dad just wants to give more and more and more and more. And this is the way we have to be with Hashem. We have to appreciate the world. When we appreciate, Hashem just wants to give us more and more. So we sit down at this moment. We appreciate the abundance, everything that Hashem has given us. And the appreciation of the world, the enjoyment of the world. And through this enjoyment, we make this connection. You know, Hashem is always sending down blessing. If we complain that we're not getting blessing, it's not Hashem's fault. 
There's a tomb in heaven and it's constantly being filled. The only reason we're not getting it is because there's a clog in the pipe. But who made the clog in the pipe? We did. How do we make the clog? By not appreciating. When we appreciate, we open up the pipe and the blessing comes down in abundance. So we also have a veracha that we make on Shalom Bayit. Next is we have the wine. Before we have the wine, we're going to say one, uh, one psalm from Tehillim. This is Psalm 122. This is a psalm. It's interesting that David Amelech says, I'm going to be happy when he say I'm going to the temple. Going to the temple for David Amelech means he ain't going to be around. Because who builds the temple? His son. His son builds the temple. But we have to have in mind here that it's not only about us. It's about other people. We've been saying in the morning that we have to realize that it's not just soldiers who are fighting. It's not just people in Eretz Yisrael who are fighting. And unfortunately, we had terrible tragedy yesterday. And I said something yesterday morning. I said, whenever we have a tragedy like this, we have to look at ourselves. We have to look. Why did this happen? What did I do to contribute to this happening? or to not preventing this from happening. Every single soldier that goes in, we say, we say when B'nai Israel went to fight Midian, it says, Elef lemate, Elef lemate. A thousand from a tribe, a thousand from a tribe. What does that mean, a thousand from a tribe, a thousand from a tribe? Yeah, one thousand from each tribe. But the rabbis say there was a thousand that went to fight, and there was a thousand that carried their weapons, and there was a thousand that prayed for them. Every soldier had a backup. Someone helping to supply his physical needs and someone helping to supply his spiritual needs. Every single one of us has to be that backup. Either we supply the physical needs by getting them the things that we need, which we've been doing literally every single day for the last hundred days, including today. I had a call today to get more drones for specific units. Today, every single day we do something to get them whatever they need. But at the same time, we have the spiritual needs that we have to do. Every time we do a mitzvah, we should have in mind we're creating a malach. And every one of the malachim, it says, Ki I'm commanding by malach to watch you in all of your ways. We create a malach that goes in front of those guys when they go into crazy places. We're responsible to create those malachim. So it's on us. We have to remember it's on us. We have to do our share. We have to be the other Elif Lamater, other Elif Lamater. We have to help them physically. We have to help them spiritually. So we say, Shira Ma'adol Le David, Samachti Be'omrim Libet Adonai Nelech. Ondot Ha'iroglenu B'Sharai Kirushalayim. Kirushalayim Abenu Ya'ake Yish Yehubra La'yachtav Shisham Adu Shevatim Shivke Ya'adut L'Israel. Le'odot L'Shem Adonai Kisham Ha'yashu Kisod L'Mishpat Kisod Le'Bet David Shalu Shalom Yishalayim Shalom, 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 Shalom,
the Ma'arat Ber Adonai, the Hen of Akshatov. The next verse is taken from Yaakov's blessings to Yehuda that it would flow with wine. We have a cup of wine. We're going to say the Borepri Agefen on the wine. And then we're going to pr- make a prayer for anyone who's in need of a child. That anyone who wants to have a child should be Zocher, that they should be blessed with children. Baruch Atah Adonai, the Hen of Melech Haolam, Borepri Agefen. Avinu Abrahaman, Shemati Vateno Vetazin Shabateno, Shiu Kolha Akarov, Nifkadot, Letova, Hish Kal Meravi, Udu, Berahameha Banim, Hayim Vekayamim, Vitravu Ameha Benes, Kehol Hayama, Shenoi, Madloi Saber, Shem, Shegabru Rahameha Alavino Arishon, Ehar Hayav, Rahama Vino Vishto Sarai, Meno Asher, Sam Letova, Dim the Hezekitam, and Atala Emitra, Viftaftam, the Harbot Zaro, Kepa Shamai. now we pour the second cup of wine, which we add a little red to the to the white, and that should represent the the uh, springtime. A person has to realize that we have to move step by step in life. I, I remember the story. I remember the story that there was a guy who would come to shul all the time and he would dress up like a Hell's Kitchen uh, motorcycle guy. Leather jacket, chains, the boots, the whole nine yards. And one day he comes to shul and instead of the motorcycle get up, he has a long black coat, a black hat. He fixed his beard. He has a seat coming out. He has his new polished shoes. And he tells the rabbi, Rabbi, I saw the light. The rabbi comes to me and says, tomorrow he'll be back in the motorcycle job. I said, why do you say that? He goes, because we have to go step by step by step. We can't jump so fast. We have to take it step by step and try to improve every day, a little bit by a little bit. So we have now the pomegranate that we're going to take. The pomegranate, again, one of the seven fruits of Eretz Israel. It's interesting because you look at the pomegranate from the outside, and what does it look like? But you open it up and you see the beauty of all the seeds. Olam Asia. So we say a tefillah for Torah. Oh, we wait. Sorry, I just figs. Figs, figs. Sorry, skip figs. I love figs. You don't like figs? Take a fig. You gotta open it up. Check the box. You see a wasp? I thought it was a wasp. Open the fixes. Yeah, you have to be careful to look if there's if there's uh worms. I think. Okay. 
this magnificent table and for us to really remember that all these beautiful things and 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 how hard it is for for Israel and for our children and for what's happening to us and the land and everything comes from from Israel and to be able to work it and eat everything and look at everything and to just keep thinking that we pray and continue to give them and send them and help them that we should be able to all sit and eat everything with ease in Israel. The link, the link of what? Oh, for the, the foods. So there's no blessing on the fig, but we're going to say it to Bilah. On Limu Torah. Yehira Tzor Vanecha She'elamed et Toratecha Kedusha Ve'ira Be'ahava V'simcha G'dola V'tismach B'Torati V'ezkel Elmod so the next one we have is the pomegranates. We have pomegranates in the Shira Shirim. That's, yeah. We have uh, the mention of pomegranates in Shira Shirim and the ripening of the pomegranates alludes to those fitting to guide the Jewish people in the wisdom of the Gemara. The Gemara mentions in Berachot the pomegranate. And we're told that even someone in B'nai Israel that appears not to have mitzvot, he has mitzvot just like the seeds of the pomegranate. He says, only recently I learned, I, I wrote this years ago, how to open a pomegranate and to get out the, uh, the seeds. My kids all had different uh, versions of it. I wanted to know if the pomegranate really has 613 seeds. But no, I didn't get any of them that had 613 seeds. Not that I counted that far. So we're all going to take a piece of the, the pomegranate. And the beracha that comes with the pomegranate is that Hashem should bless us that we shouldn't be jealous of anybody else. And that's something that really takes us out of the world. Ta'ava, the jealousy is something that, that, that really harms us. Mm-hmm. You should save us from jealousy of a person to his friend. And the jealousy of a person shouldn't fall on our heart. We shouldn't be jealous of others. We should look at everyone as our friends and not lacking. Everyone should speak to their friend in the straight way. We shouldn't have any hatred one to another. Strengthen us with our love towards you. 
Shetekabel eti v'lateru v'rachavim razon. Amen. Kini razon. Next, we have the etrov. So you have in front of you a little cup with the little pieces of dried etrov. We describe the etrog as pre-etzadar, and we have a special tefillah that Hashem should bless us, that we should be zocher, to find a beautiful etrog next year. And I'm going to leave that for everyone to say later. So have your etrog. No beracha. No shechianu, because we had it during Sukkot. Although girls could really make Shekhiana because they didn't do love and etrog. Oh, I had to do it. What is it? Etrog. Huh? Oh, yeah, they need love and etrog. No. Huh? You didn't hold it. So you should take Okay, next is the apple. Everyone's getting, a, I see. Uh, I'm trying to move things along. Apple, we have an apple? There's a whole apple. Okay. No, we don't have to. Let, if, we, we, if someone wants the apple to eat it, you can take the apple. If not, we're just going to make the... The, the thinking of the apple. Look at the apple. You want to take some apples, cut them. You're more than welcome. So, with regard to the apple, we should all recall the story of how in Egypt, our fathers were out working in the strangest of places when they couldn't come home at night. So their wives would come out to them wherever they were working, making bricks and building the uh, the pyramids or whatever they built for Parah, and they would bring with them two buckets, two buckets. One bucket had warm water in it. The other bucket was filled with fish. And they would bring them, the wives would bring them to their husbands who were tired and couldn't do anything. And they would help them so they should wash themselves under the apple tree. They would eat the fish. And the husband and wife would be together and bring children into this world. So we say underneath the apple tree, that's where, uh, that's where they were able to come together. We now have the second cup of wine, which has a little bit of red and a little bit of white. And we're going to drink the little third cup of the second cup of wine and lean a little bit to the left. Do we have woke? Yeah, you can drink it. Lead to the left. Huh? Yeah, second cup. Take a sip. And now you can put a little more red into whatever you have left of the wine. A little red, some white if you have it. That's the third cup. 
Now, do we have walnuts? If we have walnuts. There's chestnuts. We have chestnuts. Okay, we can do a chestnut instead of a walnut. We have walnuts. We have walnuts. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Thank you. I have a walnut. Is this another bracha? Is this another bracha? No, it's still it's. We're going to say, wait, so what do you only almonds for this one? No. Almonds and peanuts. Peanuts. We can eat the walnut. So what the rabbis tell us about the walnut, the, the shell of the walnut represents the klipot. We're going to call it the dark forces that are trying to block the light of Hashem from us. And just like Moshe Rabbeinu, when he brought the second Luchot, they were made out of sapphire, which is a very hard stone. We need to use something hard to break through the shell that separates us from Hashem. The thing that's very hard to break through the shell is learning Torah. When we learn Torah, it helps us to break through, to eliminate the klipot, to break through the dark side, and to have Hashem connect to us. So we have a tefillah, lishbor ha-klipot. This is a tefillah in order to break the shell or the blocking from Hashem to us. You can eat your walnut first. Someone want to read it? Someone could read it loud? Yeah, Sammy. And the next one is Amin. So the story of the Amin we have is the staff of Aaron when there was a rebellion and we have to show that Aaron is the true one. We put the staff inside the Kodesh HaKodashim or in front of the in front of the uh, the, uh, the, the the Mishkan when Korach contested the authority of Moshe and Aaron and there was a miracle that the staff of Aaron blossomed and it blossomed with almonds. So when it comes to almonds, we focus on the beauty of having the almond, the staff with the, the, the almond blossoms. And this was placed in the Kodesh HaKodashim forever to show that the children of Aaron are always the one who are going to be the Kohanim in the Bera Mikdash. Everyone should eat the almond. The next is carob. If you're willing to eat it, be very careful. Yeah. The carob is St. John's bread, they call it. Over there. Go on. Okay, Go on. Go on, Carib is still it. No, no. 
There's more cows. There's more cows. Can you pass the carrot? Yeah. That's the bit. That's the bit. One of the things that I always uh, remark about the carob is that I have no idea how people eat it. So you could eat a little piece of it, but could you imagine that this is everything you have to eat? And the rabbis tell us that Rav Shimon Bar Yochai, when he ran away from the Romans and he lived in the cave with his son for 13 years, Hashem made a miracle and he made a stream with water come towards the cave and outside the cave grew a carob tree. And he lived off of the carobs for the next 13 years. They tell us also that Rav Hanina ben Dosa was very poor. And he went from one Shabbat to the next and all he ate was a, a basket of carob. And for some time, the outside world had been kept in ignorance of what was going on with him, that he had really nothing. And one Friday, he would put, his wife would put, so the neighbors wouldn't know, she would put fire under the oven, so the oven would, would, uh, would show smoke through the chimney. And the lady next door knew that he didn't have food. So they said, what is she putting in that she's making a fire? So it says that, the woman's suspicion was aroused. She determined to surprise Rabbi Hanina's wife and discover the truth. But according to the legend, a miracle prevented exposure. When the woman appeared in the house of Rabbi Hanina and looked into the oven, it was filled with loaves of bread. In spite of the miracle, Rabbi Hanina's wife induced him to collect from heaven in advance a portion of his future lot. She said, I can't take me for it. Go up to heaven and tell them to send me you know, they say one minute in heaven is like all the money in the world. So just give me one minute of heaven and give me all the money in the world, honey. You're the big rabbi who makes miracles. Let's see you do it. So what happened was she went to sleep and her husband complied and he gave her a leg, a golden leg, completely covered with diamonds and rubies and emeralds. And she was so happy. And she went to sleep that night and she saw in heaven that everyone sitting in heaven had a table with three legs that would sit. No, no, they all were three. But her table only had two. A table with three legs could stand. A table with two legs can't stand. And she was sitting there in heaven only holding a table so it wouldn't fall. So she told her husband, give it back. Her husband said, it's a lot easier to get than to give it back. But I, I, I see I, the, the story is really to show you that we should appreciate what we have. They appreciate what they have. We should know that the future is the future. It's interesting that in Ashkenaz communities, they this this really represents the holiday of Tubishvat. This represents Tubishvat. Why? Not figs, not dates. Because you have to think for a second. You were living in Europe, and Tubishvat came out in the middle of the winter. You were living in Russia. You were living in Belarus. You were living in Lithuania. It was 20 degrees below zero outside. 
and you wanted to have Tu Bishvat and celebrate something of the fruits of Eretz Yisrael, and you wanted the food to come from Eretz Yisrael, what could you send from Eretz Yisrael that would still stay and hold up on the journey? This was it. You were able to send these from Eretz Yisrael. And they brought the dried carob to those in Europe. So I saw a rabbi write, when I first heard this tradition, I was moved to tears. Carob seeds are hard as rocks and produce a mealy substance that smells like Limburger cheese. And although Rav Shimon Bar Yochai was able to survive thanks to this tree, the Gemara classifies the carob tree as ma'achal behemah, as food suitable for an animal. However, for the Jews of Europe, these very hard seeds were exquisite because they came from the land of Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. They came from the promised land. And it was the love and passion that we Jews always had for our beloved land that transformed these inedible seeds into the most delicious food in the world. The lesson in this food is for us to truly push ourselves to be satisfied with what we have and to understand that although we think that happiness comes with things, as the media and advertisement push us to believe, we have to learn in life that one has to be happy with what he has, and this will illuminate. You just have to be happy with what you have. <laughs> the tefillah really is. A person should be satisfied with a little. I want to tell you, my rabbi, my rabbi Zechis Hadikim Raka, he came from Morocco when he was 14 years old. I first met him and I walked in his house. He asked me my name. I told him David Bibi. And he told me, you're going to be my new son. I said, what? He says, my youngest just left for medical school. I have no more kids here. You're my new son. I said, why? He said to me, when I was 14 years old, three people came into my house, my mother's little house in Morocco. They were Rav Kalmanowitz from Mir Yeshiva, Isaac Shalom, and David Bibi, my great uncle. They brought me to America. He told us later on, when he lived in Morocco, they had four homes that shared in the backyard, all of the four shared a backyard. They had one outhouse for the four families that lived in this little circle. The four families shared an outhouse where you carried buckets of water to the outhouse. And this was their bathroom and this was they were happy to have. He says he came to America. He became the rabbi of the congregation. They gave him the house next door to the shul. He got married. He had kids. And they had a bathroom in the house where you could turn on the faucet and the water comes. How much could you appreciate having running water when you came from a world where you lifted buckets to bring water to the house? He said, and the toilet flushed. It wasn't an outhouse. How much could you appreciate what a flushing toilet means? He said, I was so happy. One family, one bathroom. It was the nicest thing in the world compared to the world I came from. Then when one of his sons built a house, the house had nine bathrooms. One for each kid, one for mother and father, one for the housekeeper, one for the guest. And the rabbi said, look how things change in this world. I grew up and my expectation was an outhouse for four families carrying water. It was a big nest that I had 
a house with running water. Now I needed to have to see there had to be a bathroom for everybody to think about going to. He says it's very dangerous, he would say, when our expectations grow very, very high. When luxuries become necessities. And the beracha that we have here is that Hashem should give us the ability to be happy with what we have. To be happy with less rather than more. Not to always need, 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 need. If we have pairs, or if we have, we can take any, there's pairs, but if we don't have pairs, let's take something else. Grapes. Uh, we did grapes already. A blueberry. A blueberry. Blueberry. What? Blueberry's good. Let's take a blueberry. You can take a persimmon. Just give me one. Can I take one of these? Blueberry? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blueberries and strawberries. Blueberries are. Yeah, we don't have the pear. Wait, wait. Blueberries and strawberries. I don't eat blueberries. I thought it Thank you. I, I don't eat blueberries. Oh, okay. Thank you. Okay, so everyone, you eat your blueberry. We're still doing it. We're not, we're not being corrupted. Okay, so we're coming to the end. The Me'amlo is right that man's life is dependent on trees. And the tree is so important for the existence of the world that the rabbis establish a special blessing for those who go out in the beginning of the month of Nisan to say a blessing on a blossoming tree. The blessing is that nothing is lacking from his world and he created good creations and good trees to benefit man. It's important to note that in the Jewish liturgy, there's no comparable blessing. Uniquely singled out for one of the natural wonders of creation that provide benefit to man. This despite the fact that there are other important aspects of the natural world. But we have to realize how important the trees are. The wine. So now we have the third cup. You could have that. We just had the blueberry. We just have to have 12. That's what we wanted to do. 12 for so far. We passed the wine back. We did 12 fruits. 12 fruits. And we don't have to do anything on that That's the end. Now we're going to finish. So we've said now 12, 12 fruits that we've eaten already. And these 12, these, these correlate to the 12 arrangements of the Shem Yud K Vav K. The Yud, the K, the Vav, the K, you have 12 different ways of spelling it. Each one is, is uh, related to one of the monks. And we have that in mind that that's why we did the 12.
Now, if we, we don't, we had, we didn't have an orange, but we had that we smelled. What was it? Clementine. So I said something interesting. I said, you know, in Eretz Israel, they're known for the oranges. At one time, the biggest crop, the biggest export crop that they had was the orange. Oh, we have a blood orange. So now, there were no oranges in the time of the Tanakh. There were no oranges in the time of the Gemara. We don't have oranges brought until later on. In fact, we see that the orange is actually most likely a combination of a pomelo and a mandarin. Oranges only came to America with Christopher Columbus. So the, the origin of the English name orange is from the Spanish name, naranja. Orange, naranja. But in Hebrew, it's very interesting. How do you say orange in Hebrew? Tapuz. And where does the word tapuz come from? So it comes from Yitzhak Avineri. Around 1930, he came up with the name for orange. He came up by joining the word tapuach and zahab. Tapuz. Because he called it a golden apple, which was the orange. That was just a side. Now, if you could pour a little more red wine into your cup. That's the fourth cup. And we're going to finish the, the Seder now. So we want to have, you could have a banana. We want to have something adama. Melon. Uh, so the, the apricot, I have to announce the apricot, for whatever reason, is considered dairy. So if you had meat, you can't have the apricot. Are you serious? That's, I don't know. Just no. Right? No, these apricots. So we're going to say a bit of on the on the melons, on any of the adama, Baruch Atah Adonai, the Hinnom El Chalam, Bore Peri Adama. Right, just in case you're eating it. This one, she said, was JSOR said these are there. Jersey Shore, Orange is Out. Okay. Meaning they use something to dry them, a powdered milk or something, or something that had dairy in it to dry them. So I, I originally wanted to have a banana or a piece of pineapple. I don't know if there's pineapple or banana. So there's bananas on the table. So one of the ideas was the question comes up, why do we why do we make our bananas if a banana grows from a tree? So to understand what is a fruit, technically a fruit is defined as the edible seed-bearing structure of a plant. That definition includes melons and berries and bananas too. But according to the rabbis and according to horticulturists, the fruit of an annual is considered a vegetable. 
A banana is a perfect example of a tropical fruit that grows on an annual plant. After one season, the banana bush dies and a new shoot grows in its place. Therefore, on a banana, it's halakhically considered to be a vegetable. And the bracha, the blessing we make, is bore peri adama. The same way we do on a pineapple. A pineapple also grows the same way. And therefore, a pineapple is bore peri adama. So now you should have whatever, whatever. Uh, we're going to do some of the nuts, but now you can have some of the. What? What was? Shechiano. So you have on the table some new fruits. It depends if you didn't eat them before or you ate them. What? You have a star fit, star fruit. That little orange thing. I don't know what anything. <laughs> You want to try persimmon? What is that? I'll have a persimmon and I never had. Yeah. Don't get it. Don't cut it in here. Look, there's more. I don't know how to cut it in half. I don't have a knife. How about If you never ate it in a year, it's Shechiano. I didn't eat a persimmon. I, I don't eat any of this stuff. Baruch, Atah, Adonai, Vehenu, Vehachalam, Shechiano, Vekiyemano, Vehigiyano, Lazeman, Azeh. Yeah. If you didn't eat it. I'm in. Pleasure. Almost done. Don't worry. Thank you. Okay. Maybe five five more minutes and then we're gonna say the closing. Okay, we'll get it. So just we're gonna we're gonna end it in a couple of minutes. I just want to close it with this. The biggest part of the holiday really is to eat the Shiva Minim, the seven foods that are from Eretz Israel which we ate at the very beginning. So we have to realize that those seven types we associate with Eretz Israel, And we have to realize something that we're living in a miraculous time. Because if you lived 100 years ago, you could never imagine roots growing in Eretz Israel like they grow today. We would have, you would see a land that was a desert. But what did we do? Like the words of the Navi, we took a land that was a desert and we made it flourish. Hashem made a miracle in Israel. And if you walk around, if you walk around in the, the shuk in Machane Yehuda, or you walk around in the shuk in Tel Aviv, you have an unbelievable appreciation of the fruits and the vegetables and the produce of Eretz Israel, And it appeals to all of your senses. You hear the speech you see, you touch, you smell, you taste. And it's so interesting that even the conversation, the fact that you hear everyone going back and forth in Hebrew. For me, it's an unbelievable pleasure when I sit and hear my, my grandkids and they're talking in million mile an hour Hebrew. I mean, really like, I don't even got it. And it's just unbelievable because... It's a real, and they're there, and they're living this dream that people could never have imagined before. So I, I always think of a story, Rabbi Beryl Wine, 
when he traveled a lot, I told her this morning, he said that he was on a flight and he would speak in many different cities. And they got to know him a little bit in the airport. He got to the airport in Chicago and he got to the to the uh, to the desk to, uh, to check in. They didn't have a seat for him. And they told the rabbi, unfortunately, we don't have a seat for you, but just wait. We'll figure something out. And the flight was completely sold out. And he didn't have a seat in the whole place where he bought a ticket. So one of the ladies comes over to him and says, Rabbi, I'm sorry, we don't have a seat, but we do have a seat in first class. And we're going to give it to you because we see you all the time. And the rabbi said, if that's all you have, I'll take it. <laughs> rabbi Wine says he gets on the plane. He's the last guy getting on the plane. And he sees where his seat is. There's an executive sitting in the one seat in first class. And he has some ledgers sitting on the next seat next to him. Because he figured the seat is empty. So he sits down next to this executive. I think it was on TWA. And it was when TWA was having its hard times. And the guy sitting there actually was the controller of TWA. And this guy's looking at what are we doing losing money. And he was on a flight to go have a meeting. And he sits down and he was upset that, you know, he had to move all his books because the rabbi's sitting there. Rabbi Wine sits down. He puts his bag away. He takes out a couple of sefarim. He puts them on the tray. This guy's looking at his ledgers. He's looking at his books. This guy looks over to Rabbi Wine and says, what language is that? Rabbi Wine says, it's Hebrew. He says to him, Hebrew? You read Hebrew? He says, yeah, I read Hebrew. I'm a rabbi. <laughs> he says, but are there really people today that read Hebrew and speak Hebrew? And Rabbi Wine said, your airline flies four times a day to Tel Aviv. <laughs> And there's a whole country of 8 million people that speak Hebrew. Maybe that's why they're going out of business. He says, but he says it's something so beautiful because we took something that wasn't and we brought it back to life. We're going to conclude with these three things. Pistachio, if we have pistachios. Okay. Pistachio, the word for pistachio in Hebrew is botnim. He says that, he says that, who? Oh, okay. So he says that, he brings it up and he says that this was what Yaakov Avinu told his children to take down to Egypt when they were going <coughs> to Yosef and to buy food. He says these nuts are around for thousands of years from the time of uh, the rabbis. Which rabbi? Huh? From the time of, uh, of Yaakov Avinu, Jacob. We have other nuts, hazelnuts, macadamia, pecan, pine nuts. There was coconut, little white pieces of coconut. Coconut. Huh? Oh, we can do a shackle. We have the jelly beans. You have a jelly bean? Oh, a Swedish fish. It's the Trader Joe's. If you didn't say shakol on your water, you should say shakol on one of the candies just so that we do all the berakot. If you had jeffrey, you wouldn't say on the water, but you would still say it on the candy. No. The candy, and then you could have the coconut.
So I'm just going to blow you the Benny Shkai on coconut. The Benny Shkai says that there's something called a black melon. The black melon was a coconut. He says sometimes these black melons contain water in them. If someone just drinks the water from the coconut, he says shakol. But if he eats the fruit, he has to say the bracha on the coconut. And that would exempt the drinking of the of the drink inside. Says something interesting I saw from the rabbis. He added that sometimes the coconut, just imagine this the many Sometimes it's served as a pricey, inebriating beverage. Pina colada, right? No, is that coconut? Yeah. As is common by the sea resorts, the drink then becomes primary while the juice just serves, while the fruit, the, the shell, is just a decorative jug or a glass that's normally disregarded. Then even if one eats the fruit, no ha'etz is said, since the fruit is secondary to fail to the drink and it would be exempted. Eat your coconut. Last thing, if we have sunflower seeds. You had on your list. We didn't eat it. Everyone, just we're going to close with the sunflower seeds. We don't have it, but I'm going to tell you anyway. One of the most beautiful sights that I remember seeing in Israel was seeing the field of sunflowers. It's something unbelievable because the sunflowers go on and on and on. It says that sunflowers have a special quality. The flowers, I don't know if this is true, but this is what it says. The flowers of the sunflower plant, they follow the movement of the sun. In the early dawn, the flowers face the east to catch the morning's first light. Throughout the day, the sunflowers gradually turn to follow the sun. And by the time it comes to night, they face west. With nightfall, the sunflowers move again to face the east, ready for the dawn in the morning. The sunflower follows the light. The first creation in the Torah, where it says, Yehi od, vahi od. We should all be zocher, to be blessed, that we should follow the light, the original light, the Ora Ganus. It should bring us health and happiness, peace and prosperity. We conclude, we conclude the Seder with a Yehi Ratzon, and then the Baracha uh, after the foods. You should bring us with joy to our land. So next year, we should all have to learn all the laws that have to do with the foods for someone living in Israel. Amen. 
ובסיר ישיג את זרף, ואכלתם לחמכם, צובע וישבתם לבטח בעזכם. We should live in security in our land. We say, we say, Adonai oz la'amoyitet. Hashem has to give us strength. And only then, only Adonai oz la'amoyitet, then we could have Adonai yivarech et amor v'shalom. V'kayem banu et adavar asher yiftavtano edei yishaya neviecha. U'banu batim v'yashvu, they should build houses, they should return, v'natu keramim, they should have vineyards v'achlu piryam. V'kayem banu asher yiftavtano edei amos neviecha. ומשהרזהרהרהרהרהרהרהרהרהרהרהרהרהרהרהרהרהרהרהרהרהרהרהרהרהרהרהרהרהרהרהרהרהרהרהרהרהרהרהרהרהרהרהרהרהרהרהר